Let's give him praise this morning because he is worthy.
amazing about the God we serve, that he's the same yesterday, today, and he will be the same tomorrow. This next song, and all those new songs that we sing, they're just amazing, and sometimes I have a new favorite song, you know, but this next song has been one of my favorite songs since I, since I can remember songs. I'll tell you right now, it was written in 1949, so you may not have heard it, but you probably have in one way or another. And what I think about this song is it's kind of like grandma's food, you know, where it may not be the very, very best cooking, but you know that grandma is always going to be there for you. And when she's serving you, she's serving you with love and you feel her love just covering you over. And it just feels so good to be with grandma. That's how this song is for me. I hear this song. There's so many versions of it and so many great singers out there that have done this song. But I hear this song and I remember the presence of God the very first time and the presence of God that has carried me through and the presence of God that will carry me through through the future. If you've never heard this song before, I encourage you to pay attention to the lyrics. I assure you, the same God we're talking about right now will be the same God the next time you hear this song. Oh, Lord, my Thank you. 
Father, we thank you. 
strong. I just keep singing. Yeah. <laughs> he wants a song. we can't stop singing about how good you are. Thank you, Lord, that we have come into this place. Thank you for your presence, Lord, and thank you for the gift of worship. Thank you for the gift of unity in your body. Thank you that we get to come together here today at New Beginnings, Lord, to sing all in unison in one accord and say how great you are. The greatness of our God, Lord, it's who you are. And so that song, Lord, comes from the depth of who we are, Lord, the depth of our soul. Because of what you have done and for what you will continue to do, Heavenly Father, we say how great you are. Thank you, Lord, that we have come together into this place today, Lord, that we know that when we walk into this building, Lord, into your house, that you're ever-present here, Lord, to take care of what we need to take care of, Lord, that you're going to take care of it for us. Lord, for those that are coming in, Lord, with pain, we know, Lord, that you are going to heal that. You are going to begin to restore that today. For those that are coming in, Lord, celebrating, Lord, and just full of life, Lord, we know that you are also celebrating with us. And you will surround us, Lord, with the right people, Lord, here in this family. And we thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for my brothers and my sisters here today, Lord, that we have come together, Lord, to sing these songs, Lord, in worship, Lord, and to prepare our hearts, Lord, for what's coming, Lord, for the main course, Lord, your word. Lord, thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're so good. I want to sing that again. That second verse, church. My sister Roxy sang it in Spanish, and I love it. It's hers and my uh, worship language is in Spanish, but I, I love that second verse. But I want to sing it again, if we may. When Christ, no, rather, and when I think. Can we sing that again? Sing it with us. Because this is why we're here. That God, that God, His Son, His Son not sparing, He sent Him to die. Sent Him to. We sing about it. We recognize, Lord, the sacrifice.
so good that we sing about it and we don't stop singing about it, Jesus. And we declare, Lord, the goodness of our God. Thank you, Lord, for this mighty choir of believers, Lord, and of followers of your way, Lord, that come and declare, Lord, the goodness of who you are, Lord, and say, Lord, you're so good, and thank you for the radical transformations, Lord, in this room that we get together and say, Lord, you're so good that we say, Lord, We recognize what you have done. We recognize the work. We recognize sacrifice. Never let us take it for granted, Lord, that you died on that cross, Lord. My sins you gladly bore on that cross. My burdens gladly bearing. You bled and died, Lord, to take away my sin. How great you are. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray, Lord. And we give you thanks. And we give you the honor that you're due because of that, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Give him thanks this morning. Give him thanks. Thank you, worship team. Thank you to our worship team and church. I know that was just an amazing time of worship. And while we're here and standing still, can we greet one another as we get prepared just to hear about what's going on in our church and some announcements coming up. Forget them in your car, you forget them on the set. Oh my gosh, dude. Hello, hello, hello. 
Welcome to the house of God, saints. It's so good to see you here. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome. <clears throat> My name is Roxy. I'm part of your worship team. It's an honor to be here with you. Mm-hmm. My name is Lena. I am a volunteer here at New Beginnings, and it is an honor to be here with you, Roxy. I know. We're excited to be here together. Do you know yeah. why? Because we're not going to throw each other under the breast this time. We yeah. Women stand right. together. Yes, That's we what do. we're here to do. That is right. <laughs> But let me tell you, this is one of my favorite people in the whole world. When I grow up, I want to be just like Lena. She Aww. is an awesome person. You're so, so sweet. Um, but thank you so much. I, I don't know if I hear those alarms going off. I don't know what that is about, but I don't see any lights flashing, so I don't think it's a fire alarm. Y'all can just stay calm. Um, welcome, welcome, welcome to those of you that are sitting here, and welcome to those of you that are joining us online. I'm so glad that you have joined us. Yes. We don't know why people still um, attend online. Maybe they can't be here physically. Maybe cost of gas is too high, or, or maybe they just got used to worshiping online. But wherever it is that you are, whether you're here in the sanctuary or online, I hope that you can feel the presence of God as strongly as it's been here this morning. Amen? Amen. 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 So good to see you. We have a few announcements for you today. Um, Lena, what do we have today? So right after this service, we're going to be having baptisms right out in the mall. Uh, If you are registered to be baptized today, we do have a class that's going to be happening after we welcome our speaker for the day. After you Um, hear all our exciting announcements, y'all are dismissed from the class. (laughs) Um, There is going to be a class right outside these doors. If you are not registered to be baptized, though, and you are feeling God just pulling on your heartstrings to do it today, you are absolutely welcome to come. You are welcome to take that, to make that public decision based off the decision that you've already made in your heart to follow Christ, to put your faith in him and to let him lead you through your life. So if, if you haven't been baptized yet or if you'd like to rededicate your life, this is the perfect day to do so. It's going to be right after this service. Um, another thing we wanted to remind you of is that if you have signed up for the re-engage classes, those will start this Monday, February 27th in the youth room. This group is facilitated by Art and Marie Posey, some amazing leaders of Christ. Engage is just a time for you to, you know, take a look at your marriage. Listen, all marriages, no matter how good they are, can always get better. And this is one way that you can become better, right? You know, we, we know the statistics about marriages falling about, uh, apart and how important it is for our children. Um, maybe that's the one reason that you need to consider to take this class is the importance of how much you love your children um, and how much it's going to make a difference in their life. So if you haven't signed up, um, I'm going to tell you a secret. If you haven't signed up, call the office and say, Michael Romero said I could still sign up. And I think that they will let you sign up. Yeah. Okay. That's just between you and I. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, but call, make that move. It's an, it's an important part. Awesome. Awesome. And now I need, I need, I need some participation in this one. Where are my sisters in the room? Ooh, okay. okay. I think I, I've heard these sisters. I think they can get a little bit louder. Where are my sisters in the room? There you are. There you are. I hear you. Amen. All right. I heard all your voices, and I expect to hear all your voices this Saturday, March 4th at 10 a.m. We're going to be having our sisterhood potluck here at New Beginnings. Food. Yes, there will be food. food. You'll bring your food. There will be fellowship. You'll get to see your other sisters. I know I heard all your voices. Well, everybody else heard your voice, too. So we're going to see each other there. It's going to be an amazing time. And remember, ladies, this is not an exclusive club. So if you have a coworker that you've been ministering to or who's been just saying, I need a community. I need a community of, of women with integrity 
who have good morals, who know God. I want to know God more. Who is, who is Jesus? This is a perfect opportunity to invite your sisters, to invite those women in your life. One more reason you may want to come to this class is just because there's child care. And if you just need to drop off those That's right. kids. That's right. You need a couple of hours of some me time. Um, pre-register to drop off your kids and, and come um, hang out with your sisters. Um, next is our food distribution. It occurs next Friday, March 10th. We need all kinds of volunteers. Food will be given out at 12 p.m., so we need volunteers from early in the morning, um, volunteers that help us put together the boxes, volunteers to hand out the boxes, volunteers to guard the eggs, extra security for those eggs that are so expensive. So whatever, wherever you want to volunteer, um, we're hoping that you would come out and make a difference. This is how our church reaches out to our community because there are Amen. families in need who depend on this box of food just to make it through the month, right? And it changes lives dramatically. So hopefully you'll find a way to volunteer. Absolutely. And then parents and guardians in the room, on Friday, March 10th, so not this Friday, but the Friday after at 6 p.m., our youth ministry is going to be having a movie night. Now, I don't know about you all, but this is my favorite story in the Old Testament. It is going to be Joseph, king of dreams. Um, it is such an amazing story just to see through all the trials that Joseph went through, and it really speaks volumes of just how faithful God is to his people. And, and as faithful as he was to Joseph, he was just as faithful, and he is continuing to be just as faithful to us. So, it is such an, it's a really great movie. It's a very informative movie, but it's also animated, so it's pretty entertaining. I still love the animated movies. Yes, this I is love why cartoons. I, this is why I want to grow up to be like Lena. Right? <laughs> this, is, this is it. This is it, exactly. But, you know, listen, everything that we've talked about just now and so much more are the, all the things that are happening at this church. There's a QR code where you can go on, um, click on the, you know, open the QR code, see what else is happening. Maybe we skipped the time. Maybe we skipped one of the events. Maybe you just want to reach out and introduce yourself. Maybe you have a special prayer request. Um, all of those are options that are available through the QR code. Reach out, see what else is there for you. There's all kinds of events for all kinds of people and all kinds of different ages at all different kinds of times. Yeah. So we can't say it all when we're up here. We try to give you some of the highlights, some of the things that we think that most people would be interested in, but there are more. So check that QR code, um, check that website, check that app. Um, all of this that we do, um, re-engage, sisterhood, food distributions especially, none of this would be possible without your faithful giving. So thank you, thank you, thank you, church, for your faithfulness. If you remember when um, How Great Thou Art was a brand new hit song from 1949, you may still want to give your donations um, and your ties at the boxes that are at the doors. Feel free to do that. Yep. Ow. <laughs> Sorry. It's still my favorite song, Pastor Chuck. Um, but you could drop it off there. We'll still take it. We will also take it if you do it through the QR code. And we know that God will bless you either way. Amen? Right. Either way, God Amen. lives a, a faithful and cheerful giver. Thank you so much for being here. Without any more, because, you know, they always tell us we take too long up here, Lena. Yeah. It's just terrible. Anyway, um, without any more, could you all just help me welcome our pastor to the pulpit today, Pastor Michael Romero. Thank you, ladies. Thank you, Manny. How y'all feeling? I'm going to stop calling you guys... I mean, you guys are the church, but here I'm just going to refer to you as the choir because y'all come to let it go. Man, you guys, let it go. Amen? 
Hey, church, I want to give you guys an update um, on Pastor Richard Mansfield. Okay, I want to give you, I want to give you uh, a quick update. Uh, I do want to dismiss those who are, if you're getting baptized, anybody getting baptized today that has planned at least to get baptized, now would be a good time to head over this way. And young people, if you're in our youth group, it is time for the youth also to go into class. So if you're part of our youth, now it's time to go. But also, if you're getting baptized, it'd be a good time to come this way. Amen? Praise the Lord for those declaring their new life and those searching for their new life as well. Praise the Lord. I do want to give you a, uh, an update on Pastor Richard. Pastor Richard and Pastor Cindy, uh, they are both back in Albuquerque. Okay, so they, they have finally come back. It has been almost two full months that they have been gone. They left January the 11th, and they made it back into town on Thursday. On Thursday, they got back Friday. They got back Friday. So they send their regards, and um, they send their regards. And also, for those of you that have been reaching out uh, to them, asking how you can help, uh, you're asking about meals, and you're asking, how can we cook for you? We know, we, you know you can't be gone from Albuquerque for more than two days without you missing our red or green chili, right? Any of us that have ever gone on vacation for any more than like 10 minutes, we're like, I need some chili. So can you imagine two months in Texas where they're like, what's that? <laughs> we have jalapenos, and that's about it, boy. Right? That's about all they get. Uh, they don't know what green chili is, and if they do, it's not what we make. But we are putting together a meal train for Pastor and Cindy because uh, a meal train system, because the last thing we want to do is have everybody deliver it to the front office um, and just have a ton of food just go bad in the office. And as it is, you know, our, our quality control team will gladly deliver that to Pastor, also known as Tomas. And our brother Tomas, he doesn't really like doing all that stuff. So, you know, he, he'll he just pick a little bit here. Pick a little, it's good. It's good to go. So brother Tomas, you know, he's, he's willing to sacrifice himself for the cause and taste your cooking. Some of it is okay. Some of it, okay, we've had some of your cooking. And we've had some of your cooking. My daughter. Um, but, but thank you for those who have reached out, honestly. But we are putting together a meal train. What, I want, what we, we are asking you to do is reach out to the front office first. If you want to, to bless Pastor and Cindy with a meal, they're, uh, they're going to gladly accept. But first, please reach out to the front office. Like I said, um, because we don't want a big stack of, you know, 10 casseroles or 12 pizzas. And if you know, that's my weakness because that will never make it to pastor's house. Pizza, pizza for me is, don't, don't leave pizza in front of me. It's, it will never make it, okay? But um, please reach out to the front office and, and Melissa. We're, we're trying to put it all together. So give us just a few days as they just got into town. So we're putting all those uh, processes into, into place. And so uh, 
But, um, but thank you, Pastor Richard. Welcome home. Welcome home. Soon, soon, I'm sure, sooner rather than later. Obviously, he's doing really good. Um, the doctor said, you know, he's doing good. You're, you're good to go back home. He's got to go back to get some staples removed and get a couple of things taken care of. But other than that, he's doing really good. And, and hopefully, sooner than later, we'll get to see him here again. Okay? Church, let's get into the word. We'll get into the word today. Today, we're going to be talking about, uh, we're in our final installment of our Rebuilding Your Future series. Oh. Uh, today, we're in our final installment of Rebuilding Your Future series. Ah, oh. oh, yes, the final installment. Church, we have spoken about rebuilding the broken pieces of your life. We've spoken about blueprints for improving your life, the power of us working together, getting along to work together, right? That's almost impossible to get along to work together. Get two people, right? How to deal with mean people. We've dealt with overcoming discouragement, and we've dealt with rebuilding the family, all because we want to rebuild our future. And remember, rebuilding the future is not necessarily starting over, but getting up and just pivoting and recorrecting, just changing course, just, uh, all right, course correction is what we're shooting for. And today, we're talking about something because, very important, because it comes around full circle today. It comes around full circle because this is how you and I, see, when, when you and I, um, we have gained a reputation of, in our BC days, Right, our before Christ days, where we would just leave a path of destruction. You and I weren't trusted into the houses that we would go into, or you and I would go somewhere and they say, Oh, here he comes. Oh my gosh, here we go. Oh my gosh, here comes a right. That's that's who we used to be. Because the world was in us. That's how we operated. And so today we're talking about earning the respect. And if we're if we're taking some attributes and if we're listening to these all that's why i mentioned the rest of the sermons that we've done the last seven is because if we're taking some of those areas and applying them to our life then if we're talking about today we walk into a room we want to earn the respect now of being a peacemaker talk about rebuilding your future going from the guy or girl walking into a room and going, oh, here comes chaos. Watch out. Am I the only one that used to walk into the room? No, right? That was you too. Instead, we want to walk into the room and go, oh, good. And look, here comes Michael. Okay, good. He'll know how to handle this. He can take us out of this bind. Oh, man, Tomas is here. Good. Tomas will help us. In this situation, right? You can help us. Oh, here comes Pastor Eddie. Here comes Eddie. Oh, good. Eddie's here. Uh, he, he's going to help us in this situation. You see, because we're still in the book of Nehemiah. He has helped us in this, in this area of rebuilding. Remember, never lose sight of what we're talking about. These sermon series are, are put together with something in mind, and this one is rebuilding. We spoke about rebuilding. And Nehemiah, by all accounts, was not in a position of leadership, 
Remember, he, 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 he was in a position of authority, but he wasn't in a position of leadership. He had the king's ear. He was in a position of influence, but was he in a position of leadership? Never an official leader, but he did have the trust of the king, but he was never in that leadership position. Actually, the public as a cupbearer used to refer to them almost as, um, almost as a butler. They saw them almost as a butler. And so, church, you and I as leaders in our homes or leaders maybe in your business, maybe you're the manager, maybe you're, maybe you're the department head where you're at, or, or maybe you're just seen as that person, right? Remember this, I, I, I heard this and it, I, I was never the same after it because it, it resonated with me so much. Nehemiah was called not only with the job of rebuilding the wall, but he was called to rebuild the people of Israel. And that came with a lot of responsibility. And you and I have been called for something. But remember that when you pray for rain, you have to deal with the mud too. It comes with the cost. Because being a peacemaker can sometimes get ugly. It's never always just easy. There's a, there's a horrible side to it too because if you, if you have to be a peacemaker, it's because there, there's one side and another side at odds. And somebody has to be here to make the what? Peace. That's you and me. And you and I have to earn to be respected as peacemakers. And today we want to learn that from Nehemiah. Okay, so let's look at that. Let's read Nehemiah. We're going to continue chapter 5. As peacemakers, don't forget, church, we're called not to just be peacemakers, but make peace, okay? Keep the peace and bring it in. Okay, Nehemiah chapter 5, verse 1. About this time... Some of the men and their wives raised a cry of protest against their fellow Jews. They were saying, we have such, a large, we have such large families. We need more food to survive. Others said, we have mortgaged our fields, vineyards, and homes to get food during the famine. Others said, we have had to borrow money on our fields and vineyards to pay our taxes. We belong to the same family as those who are wealthy, and our children are just like theirs. Yet we must sell our children into slavery just to get enough money to live. We have already sold some of our daughters, and we are helpless to do anything about it, for our fields and vineyards are already mortgaged to others. Why don't we bow our heads and pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you. Uh, we come before you today, Lord, seeking more and more of you. Lord, it has been an amazing time of, of worship, Lord, and of just being together, Lord. And now we come together, Lord, in this moment, Lord, to seek more of you. And Lord, learn how to be 
peacemakers, Lord, and we pray, Lord, that this word would be instilled in our hearts. Father, teach us this lesson, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So church, I, I want you to notice something very, very odd and strange, that something that we read because chapter 4, we just read something and, and, and what we read, we can tell from it that there's a lot of tension in these, in these first five verses. We read tension in these verses. And in chapter 4, it ended on such a high note. And then we turn the page and then we're here. In chapter 4, they're working with a sword in one hand, if you remember, and with a trowel in the other one. Right? They're building this wall. They're working diligently for the Lord, doing his work, all the meanwhile still guarding the city. And they're doing hard work despite the opposing enemy. But we see a lot of tension building. And as peacemakers, you and I, if we're going to be seen as peacemakers, if we're going to gain the respect and we're going to build, rebuild ourselves as peacemakers, we need to learn how to identify tension. And as we identify a little bit of tension, we want to see what causes this tension. First of all, what's going on that is causing all this discord? Well, let's look at it. It's right in front of us. Number one, we see some unmet needs. It says, we have such large families, we need more food to survive. See, they're, they're freaking out with the lack of basic essentials. Basic essentials, why? I mean, those are the basic essentials. This is, this is food. It's, it's, it's very important. We call it basic, but it's necessary. Essentials, nonetheless. They're essentials. I don't know if you guys have ever been to one of our uh, monthly uh, food distributions here at New Beginnings. We, when we give out the twelve or 15,000 pounds, sometimes up to 20,000 pounds of food, it's, it's, it can be a bit chaotic. It takes about a good 20 to 30 volunteers and a lot of work in the background, but even before it happens, to make it happen. But you should see with some of the tension that we deal with, with the people who are in need. I'm not even talking about the volunteers. <laughs> Stop me when I'm lying. But there's tension when people are in need. There's always tension when people are in need. I mean, let's not go too, we, we can go not, not too far back. Just about two years ago, you guys remember this little thing called COVID? When people were lacking, these people didn't know what was going to happen. These small little uh, tensions were arising. Remember when people were lining up at Rose's Toilet Paper and down Bridge, down Bridge Street, from 8th Street all the way to Goff, and then from 1st Street all the way to Goff, and all the way to the freeway, eastbound and westbound. Lines of cars buying cases and cases of toilet paper. Now that's tension. 
When you don't have toilet paper, that's tension. <laughs> we read that they were falling behind. One of the other causes of tension is that we start falling behind. Now we start seeing the escalation of what's going on. First, they were lacking food, right? Crackers, they were lacking the, the, the essentials. Now, it's, it's one thing when you don't have one thing to eat, but you're going, okay, now I don't have anything to eat. Now I don't have anything where to live. They said right there, we have mortgaged our fields, our vineyards, and our homes to get by the famine. Now what? There's nothing else we can do. We've mortgaged everything. Everything is done. There's, no, there's nothing. I can't, I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't get water out of this rock. There's nothing left. There's nothing left that's going to cause tension. There's a lot of tension. You see, it's beginning to escalate. Because from there, now we see another cause of tension. Have you ever felt so helpless? Powerless? In a situation, because that's how they felt. It says right there, we feel we are helpless to do anything about it. They're selling their daughters off into slavery. And they're saying, there's nothing we can do about it. We've done everything. Not only have, not only have we run out of food, We're, we're going to lose our houses. We're selling our daughters off. We're, we're doing everything and there's nothing we can do about it. I remember Kristen, my youngest daughter. You guys know exactly who I'm talking about. She was, when she was three months old, I remember she had, uh, she had a really bad case of RSV. Some of you helped us pray through that and we will forever be indebted for that. Because the doctors told her and told us that she would have horrible asthma and would have horrible breathing problems, would basically live off of an inhaler for the rest of her life. And now she's, she's just, she doesn't even know what an inhaler is, I don't think. But. And now she sings, takes a deep breath, and she holds a high note, and all for the glory of God. But I remember that when, when we took her into salute, when we took her into NICU, Barbara and I were young parents. We were 24, maybe 25 by that time. But I remember taking her into there, into NICU, or not to, but into urgent care. And we said, oh, I don't know, she's just lethargic and she's not feeling well. And they took her in and they put her little finger. Uh, I remember I was, we had her in her little um, car seat and we took her up and I said, I don't know, she, she doesn't look well and she's, she's not Kristen. Because you know what I was telling you last time, Kristen was always from day one, since she was a baby, just always smiling and always goo goo gaga since day one, day one, always been Kristen. And she was not that Kristen. And she was just... And we said, I don't know, but she's not Kristen, not feeling well. She doesn't look good. And so they put her finger on the oximeter 
And the lady behind the desk goes, I'll be right back, and goes out that way. And Barbara and I are just like, what? I don't know where she went. Huh? Next thing we know, about five, a gang of people just coming in rush and literally take our daughter from our hands. Don't say where they're going. They don't say what they're going to do. They just go, they take our daughter and they go. And we go, what's going on? And they're literally telling us, move. Stay out of the way. Don't ask questions. And we're like, what do you mean don't ask questions? That's my kid. What do you mean don't ask questions? And they said, move, move, move. Don't ask questions. Move, get out of the way. Like, da, 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 da. They're basically telling me none of your business. I felt so helpless. Talk about tension. Could you imagine that kind of tension? Now, if you're a parent in the room, you don't need your child in NICU to be able to know that feeling. Even when they're sick, even when they're down with, you know, the flu or with the cold, and you're like, oh, I wish I could take it from you. I wish that. That's a sense of helplessness. But could you imagine this level where you have to sell off your kids and you're like, I got nothing else? I wouldn't know how to do it. But I'm telling you, something in this book had changed. Because when we're reading this chapter already, I asked you, have you noticed anything different in these first five verses that we read in Nehemiah 1 through 5? And I hope that you have been at least somewhat contemplating it because this big, big factor has happened or not happened. The work has stopped. We haven't talked about the construction of the wall. We haven't talked at all about the progress about what's going on. And that's important. There's no more momentum. Nothing is going on. When we're talking about chapter 1, we're talking about what's going on. There's at least a planning process, right? The work, God is doing the work in the background and he's doing his thing. Verse 2, we're talking about how it's coming along and, and, and how the, the king is giving his decrees. And okay, I'm going to give you the shortcuts that you need. Ver, you know, Chapter 3, we're talking literally the montage about this family's doing this, and this is the area they were taking care of. Chapter 4, we're talking about the progress, and, and even dis, despite the opposing enemy. And, and, and then chapter 5, the work stopped. And it's important to know why the work stopped, because there was discord among the people of God. It stopped because there was strife among themselves, God's own people. It says it right there in verse 1, about this time, some of the men and their wives raised a cry of protest against their fellow Jews. It wasn't that they were complaining that the enemy was attacking them. They were saying, no, I got a complaint against my own people. And now the work has stopped. You see, because I want you to take note that when you and I bicker and fight with one another, okay, two things are not happening that should be happening. One, we're not fighting against the real enemy. Number one. Okay, number two. 
the God's work has stopped. God's work is not being done when you and I are at odds. Because you and I need to be working together for the cause of Christ. And when we're fighting here, between you and me, between the people of God, it stops. It stops. But see, the good thing is, we don't have to get stuck in that position. The Bible always, always, I always say it, it always gives us an emergency exit. I say it all the time, you know it. It always gives us a way out. And when we study his word, it gives us a way out. And Nehemiah gives us this beautiful lesson. His word gives us this beautiful lesson on making peace and bringing peace to this entire situation. And if you and I are going to rebuild our future, and if you and I are going to continue to rebuild our lives and want to be seen as peacemakers to our friends, to our families, to our coworkers, to those around us, and earn that respect of a peacemaker, here's what we have to do. Let's read. Let's continue to read. Verse 6. Let's go to verse 6. We're going to break it down a little bit. When I heard their complaints, I was very angry. Stop right there. When I heard their complaints, I was very angry. Now, let's talk about that for a second. Let's break it down for a little bit because let's talk about who Nehemiah was and how we can relate to Nehemiah. Because when we put on Nehemiah's hats, we understand a little bit more. See, Nehemiah... He was the project manager. And you and I are the project managers of our homes. You and I are the project managers, maybe literally, at maybe your job. Maybe you oversee a department. Maybe, maybe it's just you and a friend, and you're the project manager. And you're that guy in the friendship or that girl in the friendship. But he's, he's, he's upset. And he's angry. Not he's just upset, but he's angry but he's angry. Why? Because the work has stopped. Number one, we can understand that he's angry because the work has stopped. He's going, man, we're fighting and nothing is going on. We're fighting. And then not only are we fighting, but he's also upset that this happened on his watch. I let this happen. Could you imagine him saying, man, I, I let this happen. This happened on my watch. Man, it shows how much of a caring leader Nehemiah was. And peacemakers. Look, Nehemiah angered mostly by this. Number one, why he was angry is that his people were being treated so badly. By whom though? By their very own. And he was upset and mad and angry that God's law was being broken. God's law was being broken. Look what it tells us in the book of Exodus, chapter 22, verse 25. If you lend money to any of my people who are in need, do not charge interest as a money lender would. And if you and I are going to earn respect as peacemakers... We need to do as Nehemiah did. And he empathized with the feelings of others. 
You and I need to learn how to empathize. We can't just brush it off and go, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, yeah, get back to work. Yeah, yeah, you done? Are you done with the Christ session? Are you done with it? Yeah, 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 get back to work. No, he was angry, but it was a righteous anger that he had. Let's talk about that for a second, because righteous anger, everybody's like, oh, don't get mad. You can't get mad. Remember, you're a Christian. Oh, brother, brother, sister, I thought you were a Christian. Anybody ever throw that one at you? Right? Oh, new beginning sticker on your car. You can't get angry. That's why I don't have one in my car. I'm not even lying. Oh, brother, you can't get angry. But see, Nehemiah had this righteous anger about him. He had this righteous anger to him. He was angry. See, anger isn't a bad thing. See, because anger is, is an emotion that God gave us. But we are, we, we are uh, in control of this anger. You and I need to learn how to use it with control. It's not meant for it to control us. It's meant for us to control it. He was righteously angry. Look, righteous anger. My generation, um, Rambo. Rambo? Anybody? Righteous anger. Right? Um, maybe the younger generation these days, let's see, the equalizer, Denzel Washington, the rock, the walking tall. Uh, what about... Um, Batman, Marvel, see, that's righteous anger, or, or Jesus. Jesus had a lot of righteous anger. Jesus had a lot of righteous anger. And there's one thing that always precedes anger when it's righteous. Righteous anger cannot be anger by itself. Righteous anger is, works together with sadness. It's always preceded with sadness. Look what it tells us in Mark chapter 3, verse 5. He looked around at them angrily and was deeply, what? Saddened by their hard hearts. The Pharisees were trying to trick Christ into whether he can heal on the Sabbath or not. And he looked at them as like, man, you don't even get it anymore, man. You're too lost. You're too lost in, in, in your legalism, man. You, you don't even get it anymore. And I feel for you, bro. I feel for you, my guy. You don't even get it anymore. And then he got mad because he was righteously angry, but he knew how to control his anger. Because what did he do? He did it anyway. He healed it. And he goes, look what I'm about to do. But you and I, if we're going to learn to be respected peacemakers, we need to learn to empathize. Let's continue moving forward. Verse 7. 
After thinking it over, I spoke out against these nobles and officials. I told them, you were hurting your own relatives by charging interest when they borrow money. Then I called a public meeting with, uh, to deal with the problem. Verse 8. At the meeting, I said to them, we are doing all we can to redeem our Jewish relatives who have had to sell themselves to pagan foreigners. But you are selling them back into slavery again. How often must we redeem them? And they had nothing to say in their defense. You must restore their fields, vineyards, olive groves, and homes to them this very day and repay the interest you charged when you lent them money, grain, new wine, and olive oil. Verse 12, they replied, We will give back everything and demand nothing more from the people. We will do as you say. Then I called the priest and made the nobles and officials swear to do what they had promised. You think Nehemiah at this point had gained their respect as a peacemaker yet? I'd say so. I'd say so. Because you see, Here's another lesson that he that we take from Nehemiah. Sometimes you and I need to just pause and think before we speak. Sometimes you and I, all we know how to do is react. Punch holes in walls. That's it. We punch holes in walls. We react. Sometimes literally, I'm talking figuratively, but sometimes we've done it literally, unfortunately. But we react. And what he said is he just said, you know what? I'm going to sit back. I'm going to think about this because this is a big decision. This isn't small. I got to go against noble people in the city. I got to go against these big guys. I got to go against some people of influence. I mean, like big guys. I mean, think about the most influential person you know of in this city. Not that you personally know, that you know of in this city. Okay, take it a step further. Now think about that person and then think about knocking on the door and then chastising them. That's what he's doing. That's what he's doing. He's going to the most noble people, noble, the most uh, aristocrats, the biggest aristocrats in the city and the, and the leaders of the city and telling them what you're doing is wrong and shaking his finger in their face. He has gained that respect as a peacemaker, I'd say. But many times, when you and I, all we know how to do is react. We don't, we don't ever sit back and pause and think a little bit and say, man, how am I going to respond to this? We don't, we react. And then it snowballs into this huge mess, and then we're left with this disaster of a mess. Man, I wish I could tell you sometimes the calls I have received, and I go, you shouldn't do that. Sit back, relax, let it, let the dust set a little bit. Okay, sounds good, pastor. And then 10 minutes later, pastor, I got a mess on my hands. What'd you do? I made the call. Why did you call, bro? I told you not to call. I told you let the dust settle. I told you let it relax. Let the emotions come down a little bit. Relax, seek the Lord's guidance. Because that's what Nehemiah did. That's what you and I need to do. Look what Proverbs tells us in 1528. He says, the heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking. 
the mouth of the wicked overflows with evil words. James, I'm going to let that go through. It looks like everybody's getting a notification. James 1, 19 to 20, tells us this. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow. We're good? Okay. James 1, 19, 1, 19 to 20. Understand this. My dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. We've been told this many of times, right? We have two ears, one mouth for a reason. We're supposed to listen twice as much as we speak. And you and I don't do that. We do it in reverse. We do it in reverse. We love to fly off the handle. We don't ever just like that. No, we care more about being right and want to win. Oh, I just want to be right. Oh, I, just, I want to argue. Let me argue. No, just sit back. He paused. He said, after thinking about it, he goes, after thinking about it, that's what he said. He thought about it. He let the Lord do his work. The other thing that he did was he said, I'm going to, he says, Try and resolve conflicts in private first. That's what Nehemiah did. Right? That's what he told us in his word. He said, and then after this, he said, and then I called a public meeting. I spoke against the nobles and officials. I told them, you're hurting your relatives. You're doing this. You're doing that. And he, I'm sure he gave them more than what he says. And then I called a public meeting, letting us believe that he did that in private. Right? He did that in private. Why did he do that in private? Christ didn't tell him to do that, right? The way you and I have it in Matthew. You and I have that blueprint. Matthew 15 tells us if, an, if another believer, Matthew 18, if another believer sins against you, go on Facebook and put him on blast. <laughs> but very vaguely so that it draws attention to you and then you can put him on blast with anybody else. That wrong version. (laughs) Matthew 18 tells us, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. Didn't we see Nehemiah do that? He won them. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. Verse 17, if the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. If by that point they still don't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. You see, Nehemiah didn't have that verse to lean back on the way you and I did. Nehemiah literally had his hand held by God himself and he said, this is how you're going to handle these situations. Why? Because he understood that the noblemen and these people and the aristocrats of the city, they were a part of the entire plan too. And that they were a part of the rebuilding process. He wanted to rebuild them too. He wanted to change their hearts 
too. And if you and I are going to be rebuilding ourselves as peacemakers and add that to our life, you and I need to understand that we have to preserve the dignity of everybody in this. You and I can't just immediately go to one side and start chastising this side and start, and start praising this side or back and forth. We have to preserve the dignity of both sides and say, you know what? Hey, you're, you're really messing up, man. And he goes in private with the nobles and the city leaders and he goes, man, you guys are messing up, but I now have to go before everybody else and, and we have to address these things, okay? But this is what has to change. And he held it in private. And he gained their respect. And he gained their respect. And you and I need to do the same thing. Now trust me, sometimes, like I said earlier, it gets ugly. And sometimes you, you don't have the luxury of taking it in private. Especially when things are put in the public. Sometimes you have to rebuke it when it's happening right in the moment. That's not always the case though, right? But when you, when you can, when you absolutely can, do it this way. And preserve the dignity. Why? Because it creates trust and loyalty. And if you and I are trying to rebuild ourselves and rebuild our future and be known and respected as peacemakers, this is one aspect of it. Build trust and loyalty. With others. Amen. Now. We read Matthew. Finally. If we're going to be respected peacemakers. You and I need to be very simple. Humble and kind. We need to be humble and kind. But I'm talking about like the real kind. Not like the fake kind. Or the fake humble. Right. Hey like. Look at me, I'm feeding the homeless. <laughs> hey, hey, here, grab this burrito right quick. Take a bite right quick. Hold on, take a bite. No, seriously, take a bite. I'm talking the real humble. Let's read about true humility. And I want to explain it to you. Verse 14 and moving forward. For the entire 12 years that I was governor of Judah, from the 20th year to the 32nd year of the reign of King Artaxerxes, neither I nor my officials drew on our official food allowance. The former governors, in contrast, had laid heavy burdens on the people, demanding a daily ration of food and wine. Besides 40 pieces of silver, even their assistance took advantage of the people. But because I feared God, I did not act that way. Verse 16. I also devoted myself to working on the wall and refused to acquire any land. And I required all my servants to spend time working on the wall. I asked for nothing, even though I regularly fed 150 Jewish officials at my table, besides all of the visitors from the other lands. The provisions I paid for day, uh, each day included one ox, six choice sheep or goats, and a large number of poultry. And every 10 days, we needed a large supply of all kinds of wine. 
Yet I refuse to claim the governor's food allowance because the people already carried a heavy burden. Verse 19, this is huge. Remember, oh my God, all that I have done for these people and bless me for it. I want to touch on that huge, on, on verse 19. Because some people say, man, look at him. Look at me, look at me. Where's this humility? Look, Nehemiah's like, where's Mr. Humble Nehemiah? Look at all he's done. Look at all I've done. Hey, look, Nehemiah, when he wrote this, this was not meant for, man, I'm going to write this one day so that Michael Romero can preach an awesome sermon out of it. And it's going to be published in the most influential book ever known to man. This is why I'm going to write this. He wrote this and it was his diary. This was Nehemiah's diary. And he's saying, man, this is what I've done. He's pouring himself out to the Lord. And he said, Lord, there's nothing wrong with asking the Lord to bless you for what you've done. It's quite all right. But let me tell you something. This is huge. Nehemiah said, I, I didn't take this and, and I didn't take my daily food allowance that was due to me, by the way, that he legally, by law, could have had. He could have had his food allowance, his assistance, his, 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 his court. He could have had everything. His 40 pieces of silver, he said, I'm not going to take it. My people are hungry enough. You think I'm going to take that more food? You think I'm going to get paid for all this? Yeah, people are already hungry. But, he, but this is why he didn't take it. He said it right here. Because I feared God. I didn't do what everybody else did. Because I feared God. He had every right by man's standards and laws to have way more than what he had. But because he feared God, he said, I'm not going to do that. Isn't that such a reality check for you and I, church? Maybe you and I, maybe you and I don't fear God enough. I think we think we fear God, but do we really fear God? We hear, we hear a lot about the God that provides because we understand that God. We, we understand that God that provides and we're so grateful, but do we fear God? Do we fear God? He says, but I fear, I didn't do any of that because I feared God. You and I have an opportunity, church, speaking of fear. Is, is Ethel in the room? Ethel, why don't you come up? Can we welcome Ethel to the platform, please? Ethel Mahark. Don't want anyone going anywhere yet. This is very important. I want you guys to listen to something very important. Earlier I said when we pray for rain, we have to deal with the mud too. And this is huge because we have a lot of mud to deal with right now. There's something going on where you and I, we're talking about Nehemiah, how he was talking to the nobles and to the city leaders. And you and I have an opportunity right now to go before the nobles and the city leaders 
Right now, it's our state leaders that we need to go before and let them know, hey, what you're doing, is it right? We need some things to change. And we need to, we need to, we need to, we need to course correct. Ethel, tell us right now is our legislative session and there's some things going on. New Beginnings Church um, stands for life unashamedly. And, and we, we do that unapologetically. And we say that. And Ethel is the executive director for, come on up, Ethel. She's the executive director for Right to Life Center of New Mexico with fights against uh, abortion. <laughs> Ethel, right now, there's, going, there's some stuff going on in the House, some bills going up for, for legislation. Tell us, we're going to go before the nobles and our elected officials talking about life. And right now is our opportunity to be peacemakers and bring peace to this situation. Tell us, Ethel, what's going on. Well, thank you, Pastor and family. And uh, that was beautiful talking about uh, deep sadness. Um, these bills that I have some some information that the, there's a table up front. And these bills are brought forward by pro-life legislators. And uh, right now we have some really ugly legislation in the pipeline. We're still known as the abortion capital of the world. Thankfully, now we are now no longer late, the late term. However, we have a couple of bills. We have one that used to be HB7. It was in the House. Now it's seven SB. It's in the Senate, Bill 13. And that one's got three components. And I'll tell you about that momentarily. But let me just tell you about the ones that, that they're fighting for. Uh, they have uh, HB 438. It's Parental Notification of Abortion Act. Folks, they're trying to separate the families. They're putting a wedge between you and your kids. And trying to, the destruction of the family is so prevalent mm. in, in, our, in our house, unfortunately. HB 468 is a baby born alive. If a baby survives abortion, they're trying to save that baby's life. Uh, the next one is HB 490, parental consent for gender procedure. Again, they're trying to confuse kids and cause all this transition of transgender. So let me tell you about uh, SB, Senate Bills 13 now. It is now past the House. It is now in the Senate. And what it does is three different things. It is to promote abortion, to promote transgender transitioning. And then the other one is to stop communities. Like the three, there were three communities that said we don't want abortion in our communities. So they passed a ban and then two counties that, that did that. They're trying to stop them from doing that. That's against the law. Can't do that. But these other ones, again, like I said, not only are they promoting abortion, promoting transgender activity, but this is the other thing. If you're a nurse, if you're a teacher, if you're a firefighter, and your 10-year-old kid goes over to any one of them and says, I want this, guess what? By law, by this law, they would have to participate. If not, they will get hit with a $5,000 fine and then some. They're forcing our hands. They're forcing doctors. They're forcing everybody to participate in a law that is egregious to God, killing the innocent. So I have out there, I have out there these papers, not to mention I also have uh, some information on your legislators. Uh, it's just their names and information. We can get you anything that you need. But what I need for you all to do is give me your name, email, and phone number. And the reason for that is because we do what's called calls to action, and we do this with Better Together New Mexico. So when a bill comes through, we'll send you a quick email. You click it in a 
couple of seconds, you can fill it out, send it, and they'll send it to your legislator. And they'll say, please oppose this bill or please support this bill. But I can't do it without you guys. We can, uh, I'm telling you, we had, we had some legislators come across to our side hmm. because 80,000 emails went out on one bill. 80,000. So we need your help. So please come out there Amen. and sign up at my table. Thank you so much. Thank you, my sis. I really appreciate the hard work that you're doing, Ethel, and the cause for life and the cause for Christ. Thank you. Let me help you down, my sis. Thank you. Can we support and can we celebrate what Ethel and her team are doing to preserve life? Church, we mentioned being peacemakers. This is a piece of it. This is just a small piece of it. This is a small piece of what it is to be a peacemaker. It's not always pretty. Sometimes you have to face what Ethel has to face and go into that den all the time. Will you stand with me, church? Today, I give you this challenge, church. I don't know if you... Today is Baptism Sunday. I hope the Lord has led every single one of you in that. But church, this stuff isn't easy. Today... As we talk about being peacemakers, I hope that we can all really focus on coming around full circle and say, Lord, I really, really, really need this. I need to learn how to empathize or I need to learn how to maybe process a little bit more. Maybe I need to learn how to think and respond before I react. Why don't you bow your heads with me this morning, this afternoon now. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for um, this message and for your word, Lord. Thank you for the godly example of Nehemiah, Heavenly Father, and for the change, Lord, that we are already seeing, Lord, and the growth coming from it, Lord, in your people here at New Beginnings, Lord, and in every home represented in this place. And for those within the sound of my voice, even those watching from afar. Heavenly Father, we pray, Lord, that these changes, Lord, that rebuilding our future, Lord, would stand, Lord, true. Lord, that it would truly transform our lives, Lord, for eternity. And would change, truly change, Lord, truly change our family trees, Lord. Do something different, Lord. To break the mold and these generational curses, Lord, that have followed us for so long, Lord. It's not about leaving the hood or leaving the ghetto, Lord. But it's leaving about this mentality, Lord, and this foothold and this stronghold that the enemy has had for far too long on your people. And it's recognizing these problems, Lord, and saying, Lord, I'm going to release them to you right now, Lord, that will allow us to say, Lord, take me there. Take me there, Lord. I want you to have full control. Take full control. So, Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for this time together, Lord. And I always, I never, Lord, I never miss the opportunity to say thank you for your word. And thank you for the gentle, for the gentleness of it, Lord, that it, it comes across, Lord, and how it just, Lord, it transforms, Lord, and how it's alive, Lord, how it makes us alive. Heavenly Father, we thank you for that, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Can we celebrate the Lord this morning? Church, before we start going anywhere, it's Baptism Sunday. 
And if the Lord is tugging on your heart and you have not yet been baptized, I encourage you, stick around. Baptisms will start shortly. God bless you, church. I love you. I'll see you guys Wednesday.